Time, a Chapman Stick podcast. Whether you've played the instrument for years or are just curious, if it's stick talk you're looking for, this is the place. So come along and stay a while. Hello out there and welcome once again to Tap and Time. This is episode 17. I'm Victor. I'm Gene. I'm Claire. And I'm Rod. This is going to be part two of our series on buying your first Chapman stick. In our last episode, part one, for the most part, we kept things at a high level and we kept things pretty philosophical, maybe conceptual. So now we're going to dive down and take a closer look at some of the juicier details, such as various different configurations you can get in a stick, available options and why you might choose one over another, and all sorts of other goodies that come into play. We're also going to talk a little bit about the differences between buying used and new instruments and what some of those considerations might be. Before we dive in, though, please be aware that we don't intend for this to be the last word on anything. Our goal is merely to help give some information to maybe help people out in their thought processes. And hopefully along the way, we can do that without sounding too much like we're reading off a spec sheet. So, Gene Perry, again, I ask, how do you want to kick this off? Well, I kind of liken this to what are you going to grab out of the garden shed, you know, right? As the four of us are, are in this elevator descending into the lowest level of the parking garage that's full of zombies, what are you going to grab from the garden shed, right? You've got one choice. Uh-oh. And when you're selecting a Chapman stick, it doesn't matter. Oftentimes, the, the first thing that you get may or may not be the stick that stays with you. And so you you have options. So that's, I think, something important to remember. And so as we dig down into, you know, which one to buy, which is a big decision and a personal decision, um, you know, know that teachers say this all the time, Claire, and I'll kind of turn to you and, and, and kind of hand this off to you is, is that there's, right, there's no wrong answers here. The idea is to, to get a beautiful handmade instrument, to get something that's close to what you really, really is your heart's desire. Um, but so many factors come into play like cost and configuration. So, you know, Claire, maybe like you can tell us about like the first instrument that you bought and what your experience was. Cause I think that I'm pretty sure that we all came into Chapman sticks through, through used instruments. And I don't know that. It, well, actually no Rod, you got a, no, you got a new one. Actually, Gene, I, got, I, don't I got a think new one. Any well. of us did. <laughs> really? Maybe Gene did. I think yeah. you're the only one. It's, it's well-documented too. How awkward <laughs> it was. <laughs> We, yeah. Well, that's why we started this podcast was to document your stick adventures with all the various used instruments. Well, yours <laughs> too. It's not just about me. So Claire. I think, but I, but I think Gene, I think that's the point is it's, it's your adventure. Um, it's your stick adventure. I think we can talk all day long about options. None of us are going to agree, which is the best stick to get because the best stick to get for us is different than the best, best stick for Victor or Gene or Rodrigo or anyone else out there. And, I think that's really the thing to keep in mind is it's a really personal thing. I think also, I know, I know we're going to get into a bit of the details here, but I think you don't, you don't have to, um, I think you don't have to worry so much about it. Ultimately. I know, I know there are folks out there where this, this is a huge investment and they kind of feel like, 
it's the one shot I got. And it puts a lot of pressure on folks to get the right one. Um, but I, I think, you know, I, I know we're going to go over some ways to, to kind of deal with that, that sort of stress of making sure you get the right one. Um, and then Rod, your experience. So like something else that we'll need to cover and, and I'm agreeing with every point in you, Claire, but, 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 but like the, the kind of the stakes are higher when you're so far away. Right? Oh, they definitely are. Yeah. That's something that comes in, in very early into, into the, the, into your thought process, which is how much will it cost? Because on top of everything, there's shipping and especially you're going to have to pay customs. So that's a lot of money also. So probably you'll, you'll take it into consideration, uh, everything that you can ask and everything that raises the price a little bit, you know, and, and, you, and you do all this math in order to just, as Claire said, it's for, for some people, it's, it's their one shot at it. So it's gotta, at least it's gotta be doable. So if, even if it's not perfect, so that's something that comes into mind also. Okay. Well, um, Vic, do you want to start with, with the new stick? I suppose what we'll do is, is we'll talk about new sticks and we'll talk about used sticks. Um, where, where do I get a Chapman stick if I want to buy one new? I was kind of lucky because when I decided I wanted to get a stick, there was one available at stick.com. They had some reserve production units available at that time. And, you know, it must have been a slow month or something like that. But uh, I recognized, so I'm a mechanical engineer and... I spend all day looking at details, looking at niggling little details that have to be done right. And when I'm making decisions on a personal purchase, whether it's an automobile or a house or a lawnmower or whatever, I can get analysis paralysis. <laughs> and I, I recognized that in myself. And, and so for my stick, I kind of took a gamble and said, you know what, I'm just going to take one of these reserve production units and I picked the one that I liked the look of the best. And it happened to have a passive four on it, which, you know, we're going to talk pickups eventually today, too. But I didn't really agonize over configuring my instrument. I just, oh, that one looks cool. I like the inlays. I like the bamboo. Great. I'll take that one. So I kind of cut myself off at the pass, so to speak. There's a single Chapman stick on the reserve list right now. So out of curiosity, was your instrument a 10 or a 12 string instrument? It was a 10. Okay. A 10 string instrument. So 12 strings are a little more uncommon, but there are exactly zero sticks. There's a, I think there's a, a stick base. I think there's one when I'm looking on stick.com right now, there's an eight string stick base from 2017 with passive fours. So what percentage of the population of stick players are playing eight string basses? You know, it's not as common as 10 or 12, but it is. So find something, finding something on the reserve list is uncommon. And so that's one, one of a number of ways to get a Chapman stick. The other is, you know, to order one is to pick out the one you want. And can I, can I just interrupt you just because I'm not hundred percent sure that the website is correct all the time, you know, so if it's up to date, I would probably say if you're really thinking about buying a reserve one or something, give them a call because chances are they might have something more that's not on the website. So just, just, uh, I don't know, 
something that's that, true uh, that's true i mean because there's like a house full of chapman sticks exactly and, so. and, and they've got like you know, there's, there's <laughs> names and numbers that, that are attached to them and, and we're not talking about gene's house when we say <laughs> no i only have three same as claire right same as rod rod you've got three right yeah okay come on you've got two right yeah, one of them is not in my house, though. You're so. next. I'm telling you, you're going to get a bug for like an eight string, like rail board or something like that. I'm telling you, he's like this far away from his third Chapman stick. But um, yeah, so yeah, so Rod's point is well taken. And that is, is that sometimes, um, so there's no real penalty. And I don't want to encourage people to order things and then cancel them from stick enterprises. But, you know, if you order a Chapman stick, um, What's going to happen is, is they're going to put together the specs for it. They're going to get the block. They're going to carve it out. They're going to you know, put on the rails and configure the, the option of tuners and pickups, and they're going to build it. And that takes a while. Um, but if this individual doesn't end up buying it, there's like seven others that will. <laughs> right? So canceled orders, it's like, no, well, he doesn't want it. Maybe she wants it. You know? and, and so it, yeah, it all comes around. What, Rod, what were you going to say about your railboard there? Uh, I My first stick, I bought it off of an opportunity because I called stick enterprises, asked them what did they have, and they didn't have any instruments, on um, used instruments or whatever, or refurbished or whatever, but they did have uh, a bunch of railboards almost ready to go. So I just had to wait like three or four months for the for the pickups to arrive, and they just put the pickup, put the strings, and send it back. So it was a... a like like you said, it's a think of opportunity because I didn't want to wait a whole year or six months or whatever. Uh, so I think most of the time, or at least I know of some people that they actually, so you have your perfect stick in mind, but you call them and they have like, this one's ready to go or will go in two months and you probably, okay, I'll take that one. So yeah. don't mind if it's pink with, you know, with ribbons or whatever, I'll take it. <laughs> you know, there is a pink stick that exists out there. <laughs> I didn't know. There's a young lady that pictures. was at the Vancouver seminar and she, I think it's a 10 string I don't, I, I'm going to say it's like bamboo, but I'm not sure. But it was, it was when, when they were doing the dyed. Uh, the dyes. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was pink. Yeah. yeah. I remember that one. So you say that, but yeah, it, it's out there. Yeah. It's out there. So, <laughs> so which stick to get? So then the, the, the next big question is, and we, we covered so much of the, the, the philosophical element um, in the first episode, um, first part rather, uh, in part one of buying a Chapman stick there's this big decision um, as to whether to get a 8, 10, or 12-string stick, um, as well as what is the material. Um, are you going to get one of the more modern designs, like a railboard, or are you going to get a wood instrument, uh, hardwood or a bamboo? That's kind of how they break them down. And, you know, for me, I've struggled with 10 and 12, so... And back in the day, they only had 10 string sticks. So that's another question. So, um, you know, Claire, I'm, I'm kind of going clockwise in, in how everyone appears in, in the chat tool that we have here. So what was the decision? Was there any ever, was there ever any decision between 10 and 12 or what was, what went through your mind when you did that? I don't know that I remember. I know that I, I, I got a 10 string. Um, and I think because that seemed like perfectly fine. I, I'm not sure that I knew what a 12 string would give you. Now, I, I will say that now my main instrument is a 12 and I do prefer it at this point. 
Um, I don't regret getting a 10 string as my first stick. So I, I just don't recall the thought process of why I did or didn't. It's also a, a bit of a price difference. Again, I don't, I don't recall. That's right. So, so with the, with the 10 and the 12, um, I, I think the 12s take a little longer or are more highly sought after. I mean, we see that in the used, you know, kind of department. Now, Rod, when you got yours, they only had 10 string rail boards, right? So it was exactly. like, yeah. When I ordered mine, it was like, it wasn't a very long wait. I think I ordered in like the fall of 2011. Is that right? Is it that long ago? Um, and then I received it in January, 2012. So I don't think my, like maybe a few months wasn't very long. Lucky. Lucky. I waited like a year and a half, I think, for my grand when I finally <laughs> ordered that. So that was a little painful. But. Mm. Ooh, ouch. Yeah. But I already had a stick, so it was... Not quite so bad. So, Rod, when you got yours, like what... It was just like, that's the one. It's available and just give it. It's, it's like I told you. I, I, I called them and Cambria was on the, on the other side of the telephone. She said, well, we, we got rail boards. And she started, you know, just seeing the colors. And uh, suddenly she said, we, well, we have one black with a, a linear glow inlays. And I, I said, I thought to myself, that looks perfect. So um, I just said, well, I'll take that one. And it took them a little bit longer because they were waiting for the pickups. But I really wanted a stick, you know, so it didn't matter which one was it. As long as it, I had one. Plus, I was, you know, going through all the videos. And at that time, the railboard was really new and I'd seen a video where Emmett said, well, it's a, a stick on steroids. And I thought, I remember thinking, if this is good enough for him, it's going to be good enough for me. So that's that's <laughs> the one I want. And that was that. The price came into play. So the railboard was cheaper. That was a thing. And there were none available on eBay in Europe at that time because I would have bought one on eBay if I had the chance, just because it would be faster to get it, you know. So I was all only uh, thinking about practicalities, you know, uh, how much do I have? How much can I spend? My wife didn't know I was going to spend that money. I had to lie to her, <laughs> Oh, you know, I had to come up with this big story about wow. get, why am I going lie. to get a, an instrument lie. coming from the United States and having to pay customs and all of that. So it was a... <laughs> That's a kind of a hard thing. shipment to, to like hide when it comes in, no? Yeah. Have you seen oh, that? Yeah. Have you seen that, <laughs> that thing on, on online where you have like death? Yeah. Uh, uh, coming over to a, a, a stick player and says, listen, your new stick has, has, has gotten at your home and your wife took it. So you want to come with me right now or you still want to go home? <laughs> so it's, <laughs> it's kind of like that. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so for me, it was just, you know, being practical about it and fast and, and the cheapest possible. So that was that. There was an immediacy and, and this yeah. was, this would be good enough. And, and I, I think that was a good call because in the long run, it, it all comes back to that kind of personal experience. And then you get to know more people and, you know, somewhere, somebody is selling a Chapman stick right now. Um, if you go online, like, you know, we'll go on, I'll go into reverb in a little bit here when we start to talk about used stuff, but they go so fast. I had a 10 string graphite up there for three days and I, I, it had a, pretty sure it had a, an active two. 
three days. And I talked to Brian Baggett and he was, he put it up on reverb, you know, and it was a 34 inch scale, three days. And we'll get into the use stuff and kind of really? jumping the gun. Yeah. Wow. It, it, they go so fast. And if you look on reverb, if you look on eBay and you, and you check that box that says sold listings, you'll see how much they went for and how quickly the, I don't know if they'll show how quickly they went, but you'll see, you know, it keeps a catalog of all these things in it. And if people, they won't tell you the negotiated price, but they'll tell you the asking price. So it'll say like 1600 and it'll be like crossed out, you know? So there was a negotiation somewhere, you know, it was throw me the whip, I'll throw you the idol. Throw me the whip, I'll throw you the Chapman stick, you know, kind of those <laughs> Indiana Jones thing, you know, where it's like, you want the treasure and I want to live, you know? Um, so I suppose the, the next question is, is there's these, these other options the, that as we're kind of, kind of ticking through the new instruments and things to consider, you know, you think, well, I want a Chapman stick. Well, I want 12 strings, right? Because I, I want, I want as many strings as possible. I want to make as much sound as possible. And I'm trying to think like a stickist who hasn't had a stick before, which is you tend to overthink these things. So more strings is better. So now like the other options would be things like the stick guitar, right? Do you want to go with an alto or do you want to go with an SG-12? So that's something to consider. Um, and then you've got the 10 the string gram, which is not quite as common. And I remember Emmett played one of these for a long time. Um, it's not my preference because I don't like the format having been a 10 string player for so long of the, of the 12 string. It's natural. It's a natural. It's too big. Yeah. So just to be clear, you know, a 10 string grand is still a 10 string instrument, but it is on an instrument that is as wide as a 12 string. And so you get more spacing between the strings. And I don't think this applies to Emmett, but people that ask about it, at least that I've seen ask about it, are tending to wonder if it will help them because they have fat fingers, uh, is how they describe themselves. And you know, Steve Adelson, he's got, he's described his own fingers as being kind of short and stubby. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he <laughs> hasn't affected his playing. <laughs> no. So, you know, somehow he's doing okay. he makes, yeah, he, he's, he's, yeah. yeah so, uh, and, and he's not the only person. Um, I sure. just, I don't know that he says but that. He, publicly, he plays but, a more standard, uh, I think a 12 of some kind or a 10. He doesn't play the, the 10 string grand. He plays the instrument with the tightest string spacing, which is a 12 string grand. And um, 34 inch, know. I think he prefers the, the, the first ones. So it's, yeah, even, yeah, it's a little does. bit shorter than the yeah. with rods. The, yeah. So yeah. rods were a, a <laughs> cylindrical rod that was used as the fret, as opposed to uh, the things being filed to a point like a rail. So those are older yeah. and they have a very different feel to them. And that's going to come up later also. Nick Beggs, Tony Levin. Steve Adelson that, that play 34 inch scale instruments, Larry Tuttle, right? Like these are like Titans in our kind of little stick community yeah. and like, Hey, 34 inch scale rods. That's how I roll. Okay. <laughs> well, anyway, so all this to say that, you know, the, the, the 10 string grand, if there's a reason that people want to have more spacing between the strings, uh, that's the way that you maximize that spacing. So I'll say one more thing, and that is, is uh, there is the, the the NS stick, which is the Ned Steinberger uh, kind of collaboration, where they conceived of the idea of a kind of a double Steinberger bass on a single beam. So you've got two sets of four strings, and Ned Steinberger kind of worked with Emmett on the design of this. So 
it is like a Chapman stick, but what's so nice about this instrument in particular for a bassist is that you can have it tuned in straight fourths. And so Don Schiff has uh, made this, I, I think he's kind of the most prevalent NS players and has been a stick player for a long time. So that's another good option. And Gary, uh, Gary Jabillion. So Gary Jabillion, who works at Stick Enterprises, is part of Jabillion Sitar uh, duet, um, also a big advocate of that. And he plays his in mono, like who knew, right? He plays it in mono. Um, so that's, I suppose that would be kind of the last kind of option if you were a bassist. And that's a, another question to ask as you start to prepare for your first instrument is what role will I be playing? Do I want to play it as a soloist? Do I want to play as a, a bassist in a band or a little bit of both? Actually, just let me, I, I, was, I was trying to remember because as you guys were talking about the, the, the whole Uh, string spacing the with the with the the ten string grand. I remember when I first got mine, and I didn't know any better, so it was perfect. Uh, the the ten string railboard, and as I was working on it, and for my first seminar I went to, that's where I got to see people playing twelve strings, and I got to hear the other pickup options. I remember thinking at that time that the twelve strings, which makes them you know, uh, closer to each one. So less, less room between each string. I remember thinking at that time that that kind of felt awkward. So probably, and, and I remember oh, yeah. trying them and, you know, trying to hit one string and m hitting the wrong string or hitting two strings instead of one. I remember having this problem the first time I tried it, but then when I got my 12 string and I got it just because I wanted different pickup I want and I bought a secondhand one a used one and it just happened to have 12 strings and my experience is that it wasn't that it's not that it wasn't that hard to, to make the, uh, the change it's not hard at all to go back and forth between both instruments it's just a matter of of practice and I have short small hands with chubby fingers also so that never was actually a question it was when I didn't know any better and I had Just one experience. As I, you know, got used to to the the whole thing with the twelve strings, it doesn't really. Uh, it's not something that I would even think about, or it doesn't. It, it's not a problem. It's just you'll get used to it because most people that you know, almost anyone can play a guitar, and I think or an electric guitar will have smaller space between strings than any stick. So, uh, anyone can do it. I think it's not. It's not really an issue. Unless you want it to be an issue, you know, so. I must want it to be an issue because I struggle going back and forth between 10 and 12, but I'm also not immersed in the instrument. You know, I don't get as much time with it. Like Rodrigo Serrao is also the guy that can like, someone can call it a song and he'll say, what key? You know, so like <laughs> not everyone can like be a jazz player like that. So I think it, it, it comes down to your level of comfort, Rod. So I, I agree with you in that regards. It just comes down to your level of comfort. And I can't get comfortable enough on my uh, going back and forth. So, I mean, actually, so now I, I just don't even set the 10, the 10 string up. I just, in, in, I don't, I don't use it. Like I just set it down. And because I'm, I'm wanting to immerse myself in the 12 string and the alternate tuning that I'm using with the 12 string. So, yeah. For me, if I had more time, if I only had more time, I would. I, I, I feel like I could be more confident in going back and forth between the two of them. But I've used the same tuning for however many years. I've always played a 10 string. And only now am I like forcing myself to play the 12. And like you said, I, each time I come back to it, it's like picking up a new instrument for me. You know, and, and, and so 
it's just that level of familiarity. And I'm still like, I'm getting better at it, but it has just the way that I learn, um, which you know isn't quite as accelerated. I have to just like make the same mistake over and over again to get it right. Yeah. I, I think one of the things is if you're trying to play the same thing across, across slightly different instruments, I think that's where you run into trouble. Yes. Exactly. Um, I have three sticks. They're all set up a little differently and I don't generally play the same stuff on two different mm-hmm. sticks. So, you know, I have a 12 string grand, my, my 10 string, my original 10 string is now set up in, in dual bass reciprocal. And then I do have a, an SG 12, but I don't, I don't tend to try to transfer the stuff from the grand to the SG 12. I tend to use them for different things. And I think that allows me to not feel like I have to, I'd like, I think you adapt to what you're playing on the instrument and not the thing you're playing across different instruments, you know? I, yeah. Yeah. You, you use it again in a different context. Whereas I'm like, yeah. I want to have three sticks with three different pickups and play all the same songs on all the same instruments. So, so we've gone from talking about buying your first stick to buying your third stick. So maybe we need to, maybe we need <laughs> what, to, what was that episode? In. You can never have Thank just you, one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Okay, yeah, so th- a little, little sidetracking there. Yeah, this is this is Vic's cue. Okay, so what are some common questions? Yeah. What what are some common questions? Vic, meet you want to start that? Like, what's the first big decision? What's the first big decision? So, if I was to buy my first stick today, you know, my house burns down. I've got to get, and all my instruments, you know, are 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 destroyed. And my family and I and the cats get out. What what are going to be your first three sticks? Cue <laughs> <laughs> them up for us. Uh, so the first, uh, the first question, actually, uh, when you're looking at the site, I think is, do you want to go with a rail board, which is the aluminum one, or do you want to go with uh, an organic material, whether that's wood or bamboo? Uh, that would be the first thing that I would want to narrow it down to. Uh, and so you know, you've got some differences between those. Um, the two instruments or the two instrument types have completely different pickup options. You can't get one pickup on both instruments. Every instrument has um, choices that are only for that instrument and don't cross over. So that's one one thing. And we'll talk about pickups in a few minutes, I think. But uh, then there's the weight. Uh, so the rail board being aluminum, you know, is going to weigh more than a wooden instrument. In fact, that was one of the design challenges that Emmett faced in designing the rail board was, you know, finding a way to remove material yet to maintain the stiffness that it needs to be sure. able to, uh, to be an instrument. And, uh, and so rail board, you know, it's heavier, even though it's got an incredibly thin cross section where you place your thumb. Plus, uh, I'm not sure if the gap gets even bigger with a 12 string rail board versus a 12 string organic instrument, but anyhow, so you got your weight, uh, with your pickups and then, um, that would, that would you ask, you know, what's, what's my first question when I need to replace my instruments? Am I going to go with a rail board or something wooden or bamboo? Sure. Sure. And, and, uh, something else to consider with the rail board is, you know, you've got color and all those questions of availability. So like with Rod's experience, you know, is, you know, what is available? What can I get? Yeah. The rail board is also less expensive, which is a uh, an important consideration. 
Sure. And it's been made even more approachable with uh, a second type of, of pickup type. So yeah, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking. I've got, I've got thoughts about that myself when we get to that. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so with the weight on the railboard, it's not that significant. So, you know, if you've, if, if for guitar players, you, know, you pick up a Strat, you pick up a Les Paul, Les Paul's going to, it's, it's a block, right? So if you look at stick enterprises, you'll see, or stick.com, you'll see the, the different weights. It comes out to about 10%. And I did once upon a time, like in like 2013 or 2014, I did a, a bit on the railboard and talked about it, compared it with other wood instruments. And um, it's, it's a... The, Are you speaking of a Freehands Friday episode? It's yeah. a video where he, he showcased the railboard, right? We took strings off of it. And I remember that video. It was super important to, you know, to get to know the instrument. It's all my fault, Rod. It's all <laughs> my fault. I actually scratched it with a knife because I was like, look, it's a, like, <laughs> who does this? You know, and I was like, cha, 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 cha. And I cut I an orange. Oh, wow. Remember that? I, was, I this, or- was this your instrument? Uh, yeah. This was, <laughs> this was you bought railboard. a railboard and took a knife to it? <laughs> yeah, I took a knife to my Chapman stick. Well, wow. that's, a, that's, a, that's a video I'm everyone should to, watch. I'm going to have to rethink my opinion of Gene Perry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Continuing, <laughs> continuing. So, so one of the differences also uh, to, to consider if it's your first instrument, it's a different experience. And, and Rod kind of detailed that if, you, if it's your first instrument, you don't know any better, and it just feels like home, and that's okay. But if you've been playing a certain type of stick, it, it just feels differently. So, with the neck, the the back of the Chapman stick on a wooden instrument is um, it is of a different shape, and it's this kind of I want to say. What's the word I'm looking for? We talked about this the other day. It's bevel. They call. I think they call it the bevel. The bevel. Yeah, it's okay. got a much sort of angle where you, where you going all the yeah. way across the instrument. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, in order to save uh, or in order to conserve space and to make it less weighty, he actually had to carve it out so it has this kind of C shape, and there's this kind of ridge that follows along the middle of the instrument, and so that's where you save space. And, and so, and that's where you save weight as well. So there's a, there's a different feel. So like Rod, when you're playing the railboard on the wood instrument, I mean, I know I already know what you're going to say is like, it's, it's, I can play either. And I'm like, okay, but does it, does it affect you at all? Like when you're, I mean, like at all, when you're playing these different instruments and they feel so differently. I, I would have to say I have no idea. It doesn't even cross my mind. My mind is focused on the on the string side. So I'm, I'm that guy. Not, this guy. This just guy. the thing is, when you're a string guy and you play strings, the 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 tactile thing is the tip of your fingers with the string. So where your thumbs rest in the back of the instrument is not really that important. Or it comes into mind when you're developing the technique, but. Once you're just thinking about the music or whatever, it's just the tip of the fingers and the string, so it doesn't really matter what's behind. So going back and forth, there's a difference, but it doesn't affect you once you get used to it, which it would be like in, I don't know, it depends, 30 minutes, you, you, you're used to it. And then like gotcha. you, you change the guitar, if you pick two acoustic guitars, they will be slightly different. But after a couple of minutes, you you get used to it and then you're good to go. So it's, it doesn't even... And that's, that's spoken like a true performer. Cause it's kind of like the show must go on. It's plugged in. I'm getting tone and it's in tune. So like, what are we waiting for? And sometimes people, you know, I, I tend to overthink these things as well. You know, like it, it just, it, so much of it is the feel and I've been playing the same okay. instrument for such a long time. So another thing on the rail board that uh, I'll tell a short anecdote 
and then ask Rodrigo, but occasionally it's asked, well, how does the railboard do when the temperatures get cold? Is it uncomfortable to play because, you know, does it, you know, does it feel like you're putting your hands on an ice cube? And um, <laughs> before Rodrigo gives his thoughts on that question, um, it came up early on in the railboard's uh, existence on stick.com. And someone asked, well, you know, when you're playing the railboard, if it's not in a warm room, you know, does it bother you being so cold? Well, Greg Howard had one of the first railboards and he said, well, I can speak to that because I played I'm going to probably get some of the details wrong here, but he said, well, I played a gig outside the other day and it was like 45 degrees outside and I played for, you know, however long I played for a half an hour and my hands were fine. But then again, I was on fire. <laughs> uh, anyway, so Rodrigo, uh, do you have any thoughts on the temperature? Angle? Yeah, that, that doesn't, you don't feel it on the instrument. That's my I, I've, I'm on my second railboard now, and it it doesn't really affect you. The temperature of the instrument uh, doesn't affect your hands, but what it does affect is the the tuning or the, the being in tune. So the, the the railboard will heat up a lot faster than a wooden instrument. So it will uh, it as as in the first few minutes as it heats up. The, the the neck expands faster than the strings, so the, 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 the tuning will get a little bit too high. So you have to compensate after five minutes or something. You'll have to retune the whole instrument, and then it's okay. And then you can take, I don't know, I've played outside with 40 degrees Celsius. It was not a problem. I played with almost zero degrees Celsius. It's not a problem. It stays in tune after the, those, those first five minutes in your hands. That's where the temperature thing comes into play. But it's just in, in the tuning, not in the, how you feel, in how your hands feel. So it's not different from a wood instrument, in that particularity. Okay. All right. I, I think this is like universal. This is beyond stick. Like, I think, you know, instruments and their tunings are affected by the temperature and the humidity. Yes. And, and they're affected by the environment. In a perfect world, your instrument sits in the space you're going to play in for a little bit of time before you tune up and then you don't have a problem with tuning. Um, I mean, there's plenty of brass instruments out in the world that, you know, musicians are used to dealing with sort of the temperature exactly. aspect. Um, and I would think like, I don't have a railboard, but I would think if it's cold enough that your railboard feels cold on your hands, your hands are just going to be cold anyway, because of the place <laughs> you are. So I think I tend to think it's less about the instrument than about the environment you're in. Yeah. yeah and definitely. This, this gets, these sorts of conversations just spiral out of control. What are you, are you stop, saying stop. I'm always the one distracting? I guess no, I no, no. You're the one it. leading us back to the, you know, to the, to the straight and narrow, but it, it is oftentimes this thing, you know, with in one of our, one of our kind of our, our bullets here is configuration. So we're, we're trying to cover the common questions. And one of the, you know, the questions is, is like, oh, God, there's so many options with the new stick. And so remember even though it is expensive rod, right? If you're shipping it and it's like, you know, a 3000 instrument becomes like a $5,000 instrument, right? Which is like a car or, you know, like a, you know, a couple of house payments maybe, but, but it is <laughs> it's something a, very hard to hide from your wife. That's what I can tell yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> it's too big an ex expense. Yes, it well, that was great timing. Challenges. You caught Claire in the middle of a gulp of drink and she almost <laughs> skewed. Oh, <laughs> So, 
So it is a personal decision. And, and, uh, I suppose kind of to, to wrap up on, on common questions, the, is, is where, where, how do you try one? And so we've all had different experiences, right? So, you know, Rod got to go out to Israel to meet Boaz, you know, I, I had to like get it through the recycler, you know, sometimes you just get on a whim. You're just like, you just decide to get one and you, and the, the, the instrument that you receive is the first time that you've played, touched, or even seen in person, a chapstick. stick. That's how you get to try one. Any one of those options for some of us. I, yeah. I kind of think yeah. there are there are more options these days, though, because if you post on the forum, oftentimes you'll find folks willing to let you try one. I have had. I know you guys talked about this in the last episode, but I have had Stick Enterprises reach out to me to see if I was willing to meet with someone and, and show them that. And and to be clear, like they didn't hand out my information at all. Um, they contacted me and asked me if I would be interested. I said yes, and they sent me the interested person's info and it was on me to contact that person. They, they never handed out my information. So I know that was a bit of a discussion before, but I, I feel like there's, there's enough stickists out there. And, and, and again, I, I guess I'm, I am speaking towards the U S I, I suspect if you're, if you're, you if know, you're in Portugal, of, you have to talk to me. Yeah. Well, there you <laughs> go. And I, I, I suspect you'll be happy to like, try to, you know, meet up with somebody, but I, I think, it's Ricardo. one of those instruments where you yeah, realize right, like when okay. you purchased it, it was so difficult to try to figure out that you're like happy to help somebody who's going through that process. So I think reach out to folks, either contact Stick Enterprises or come on the forums or Facebook and let people know you're interested. And I and I think you'll get plenty of answers. I think also um, trying to figure out what to purchase. If, if you look at, go, go to YouTube and watch videos and listen. And, and if there's a particular musician or a particular, you know, set of musicians, like see what they're using and get that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. If it's something like, if you see somebody doing what you want to do, like go with that. It works for them doing that. So it's a good place to start, I think. Okay, let the analysis paralysis begin. So why don't we start off with pickups? Because that's outside of the configuration of the main instrument. That's your next biggest decision that you have to make. And we've talked about pickups off and on through other episodes. And so we're not going to dwell on them too much. But we wanted to kind of hit just really high level what the pickup options are for both the organic instruments and for the rail board. So just jump in here if you guys want to add any other comments, but uh, the stick up is your least expensive option. And it's also in some cases, uh, there's a lot of people that like the sound of the stick up uh, the best of any of the pickups you can get on a stick. It's the original pickup and uh, help me out it's here. It's yeah, it's a, it's a humbucker. And so, the you know people talk about like a classic stick sound what they might have heard on like a King Crimson album or something to that extent. You the you know other options are there's, there's you have passive uh, pickups and active pickups. There's an EMG option and um, well I, I think Rod you have mostly the the passive pickup is that correct? You use a stick up and, and uh, yeah. So for my for my twelve string it came with the active two and I didn't 
liked it at that time. I already knew how to, what I wanted tone wise. So that's one of the main things with pickups. You won't have a perfect opinion on it until you've seen them live. I mean, I know there, there's a, a, an amazing video that Greg did that showcases all of the, of the different pickups, but to be perfectly honest, you won't have a reasonable idea until you get to see them live or hear them live. So when I did, I knew that the, the stick-up was the one I wanted, the passive, uh, uh, how do you call it, humbucker, uh, the, the original. So that's that's the tone I like the best. So that's what I wanted. So that's what I bought to install later after I got my, my 12 strings. And I have this Active 2 that I just packed, you know, it's, it's somewhere in the drawer somewhere. Um, just, I don't use it. I know it sounds amazing for, for a whole bunch of people. It's, it's just, it's not something that I personally like that much. So it's a very yeah. personal thing, the tone of the pickup. Yeah. So the active two, it takes a nine volt battery and which is, you know, common and it's good for about a thousand hours is what stick enterprises says on that. And the reason that I have one of those, an Active 2, is because I like having the sweepable tone knob. And really between that and the volume and the mono switch, that's really all it is. It has a mono switch so you can put the whole sound out one channel. Uh, and then it's got the sweepable tone knob and your volume and that's it. Um, now the Passive 4, which is the most expensive option of pickups on the organic instruments, does not have a tone knob. Um, instead, uh, the knobs outside the volume, there's two knobs that are basically selector switches and you've got four different filters that you can dial in and then you've got four different combinations of which pickup is going to be going into the signal and how those pickups are combined. And uh, all I'm going to say about that is uh, in my experience, um, I had a passive four and I ended up uh, switching it out for an active two because I don't have the tone shaping skills to take full advantage of the passive four. There are a lot of people that make some really, really great sounds with a passive four. And I don't have the skills to do that, not having, you know, a lot of experience before I got a stick. So I really didn't have a background there. But those are the organic pickups. Um, now for the rail board, um, there are two pickup options. And that's actually kind of recent uh, um, until about six or eight months ago, um, there was one pickup option on the real board, and that was the R block. And uh, that can run passively or it can run with phantom power. And again, you know, a lot of people making some great tones and sounds with that R block, uh, you know, uh, easiest to pick on Kevin Keith for that one. Uh, oh, he's, yeah. You know, he's, he's, he's Mr. Railboard and he's done some really cool stuff. But recently uh, there's been another pickup made for uh, the rail board and it's an it's an emg pickup and currently it's only available on the 10 string rail board um but uh word from emmett is that uh, he's working on the 12 string version of that and it's a passive pickup and my understanding is it's basically just got a tone knob and a volume knob for each side is that correct plot twist Vic is explaining his third instrument as we speak. <laughs> okay. He's, so. he's picturing it in his mind and he's reaching out and he's thinking, uh, it's becoming it has, my precious. It has that tone knob that I've been waiting for. And, and, and really right. quickly, before we go on to the, that railboard, that, that new option, which is an exciting new option at Stick Enterprises, 
I love the active two because of that tone knob. So playing out live, things will be too bright, things will be too dull. And um, oftentimes if I'm using like a multi-effects pedal just to kind of, you know, to, to manage these things from, it's easy. It's just, it was just a convenience thing. You know, I could just ch- yeah. to change the knob. And I remember having the passive four and I was like, ah, I, I don't have that control. I'm stick up. I just didn't have the skill set to do it or the patience to do it. My next instrument is going to be a, a stick up. I can't wait. Oh, is it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, so yeah. So Jim Meyer explained that uh, one of the things he likes about the Active 2 is that when one of the great things about owning a stick is after you change your strings, brand spanking new strings mm. on a stick are so bright and they sound so awesome. But sometimes they sound a little too bright. And, and, and you know, Jim was, you know, I've taken lessons with Jim and he was talking to me about it after I had just gotten it. He goes, well, one of the good things about it is you put new strings on there. And if you need to dial it back, you can just turn that tone knob down and you can turn the tone knob up as the strings break in. And uh, so anyhow, that's kind of a cool thing also. That's funny. That's exactly what I do. Um, Cause I, I have, my preferred pickup is the active two. Um, and yeah, when I, when I change strings, like I love the feel of new strings, but I actually hate the sound. They're just so bright. It takes oh. a little time for them to mellow out. So I, I do, I kind of dial back. The knob. That's funny. I guess I'm not the only one. Yeah. That's uh, we can call it a tone knob and it doubles as a new string knob. <laughs> new string. <laughs> <laughs> NSK. It's written there. NSK, new string yeah, knob. Right. <laughs> disclaimer there. There's a, a notched setting. You know, like <laughs> that's right. High, low. Uh, new okay. Strings. So, uh, so do we need to talk any more about pickups? For right well, now. I did want to include one more thing. So, so something about an active pickup, and, and this you feel this on the Chapman stick because each hand you don't have one hand putting the string into motion and the other fretting the quality of the chord. You actually have each hand is doing that on its own. And so, I know that, and, and I've talked to Rod about this, and he offered me a lot of very valuable insight. I use a compressor, right, and that kind of changes the dynamic. And I think that. With an active pickup, you know, it amplifies everything. And so from what I've read, and this is all more kind of like overthinking, is that with an active pickup, you don't get um, the high highs and the low lows. It kind of averages things out because it amplifies things with this 9-volt battery. Whereas with a passive pickup, if you play it a little bit louder, you have a preamp, you get those, you get a different dynamic. I think you have a wider spectrum of dynamics. Now, you could argue that one way or another with Bob Culbertson, he seems to get plenty of expression out of the way he uses his active too, but it is a different experience with passive and active pickups, especially if you're going in, in between the two instruments, which, which I've found to be a, a big challenge because then you've got issues with, I don't know if it's impedance or, or but, but just your, your levels will change. So that's, I suppose, kind of the closing bit that I would say on, on pickups. I think that's just a general look at, you know, if you're, if you're brand new to stick, but you, you're maybe already like a, a bass or a guitar player kind of checking out the output spec of each of the pickups. Cause they are a bit different. Some are passive, some are active. Um, all of them are capable of dual channels. So they all have two channels. Some of them can sum to mono, not all. Um, and I know, so the active two and the passive four, the output is actually reversed depending on which, which side of the cable is, is melody. And that, that, that messed me up so many times because I have yeah. both. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think that's actually important to look at cause that could be an important consideration beyond just the sound you're looking for. Um, if you already have equipment that you're going to, that you know, you're going to plug this into, just make sure that 
it'll work. At this time, you, you may want to stop and write down what Claire just said, because it's the most important technical explanation apart from the tone. It's exactly what she said. So, so that's the whole thing with, between different pickups, I think. She just just said it all in one sentence. Go back, listen to Claire. We, we should exactly. just go delete everything we said before. Is that <laughs> this will be a twenty um, second episode. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> all right, so Vic, let's go back to your next stick. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. I want to. No, oh no, I, uh, we don't need to talk about our next stick. We got plenty of time. I'm just that that EMG RB12 when it comes out that will make me more seriously consider a twelve string rail board just because um, I didn't want to have to. The R block was, it's a more complicated pickup. You can get a lot more out of it, but it's a little more complicated. And I'm a bit of a simpleton when it comes to my signal path. And the RB10, sure. you know, uh, yeah. it looks like it would be a little more my speed. Um, but, sure. Uh, but, you know, I'm looking forward to hearing one. I've never actually heard it. Um, so yeah, that comes next. I'm sure. And, and, and they're, they're just going out into the world now, right? Yeah, so but there's, yeah, there's, there's, there's probably what. Yeah, I don't know how many, but you're right. They're just not going out. So if you're out there... Boaz has his ordered. Okay, great. Well, Boaz or whoever, when you get one of the RB10s on a railboard, uh, hey, record something and put it up. Yeah. If nothing else, just as a personal favor to me so I can hear the darn thing. Uh, anyway, so there we go. So uh, are we going to move on to... I know Ron now? had something. that we, we did bring up Greg Howard's... Um, pickup comparison video. So that's a that's a good watch right there. I suppose I just wanted to make Yeah, yeah it's called little... Meet the Pickups. Yeah, it's it's, good well, stuff. it's a must watch video if you're planning on on buying a sticks because a stick because it's it's the best one to showcase you different tones of the different pickups. And I might add also that Greg did a video with the new uh railboard pickup. So there's a video online with the, oh, the where you can listen to it. to the Oh, with the new one. Yeah, with it, I think so. So okay. the the first when when word came out, I think that Greg was has the first the first one, and he did a, a small video showcasing the um, the pickup. That so guy. well, thank you. Have to look for that. There okay. are also examples, I think, on the stick website of just audio yeah. examples of each. I don't don't remember exactly where, but that was. But yeah, yeah. the video is always nice. Yeah. Okay. okay. Tunings. <laughs> okay. Wow. Okay. So, so yeah, let's, of all uh, the let's contentious things to talk about, yeah. with, so what's <laughs> the know, best tuning? <laughs> we did talk about tunings in part one, so we can we can kind of breeze through this a little bit, uh, hopefully, uh, to get to the next item because we've got a long list here. And uh, I feel like tunings is easy though, because like pick one, and if you don't like it, change it. It's perfect to again. Talk write about this it. down. Write you this down. Go, you have to go on the internet and, and debate it with other people first, though. Otherwise, it's not really a proper internet discussion without like. I do feel you. You guys hit on this, and I. I, I wasn't. I, I sadly couldn't. Sorry, I sadly couldn't make the last recording. But um, you guys hit on this a little bit. Is um, learning materials do vary a bit, and if you're, I, I think it's easy to say like, well, you can use any learning material, just adapt it. But I think if you're not that familiar with the fretboard, that's actually pretty difficult. So if if using learning materials is important, maybe pick one of the tunings that works with the learning materials you're thinking about, or or commit to taking lessons with someone. Um, but I should do the caveat that like with a an instrument with the current you know, the bridge, the flaps, all that, that good. I know we're getting into that in a little bit, but I think most, most modern sticks that you're going to get today, um, are really kind of easy to change the tuning on and do the intonation. So, yeah. So don't, don't, don't overanalyze that. I mean, 
figure out if you want to go with a traditional fifths, fourths tuning. And the recommendation is, for me anyways, is try it the way it was invented. Yeah, Just that's where I'm at. Try it. Yeah, I think yeah. that's kind of what you're getting at. It's like, and uh, and once you decide that, pick a tuning. You know, pick something that's one of the common tunings, classic, matched reciprocal or baritone melody, and then go. And maybe you don't look back, or maybe, as Claire says, you change your mind and you change your tuning. It's not really difficult to do. So, and, and also consider, like, if you go out to let's say the, the instruments and you look at tunings. Um, <laughs> right under 10 string, you've got matched reciprocal, 10 string classic, baritone melody, deep baritone melody, deep matched reciprocal, raised matched reciprocal, full baritone, dual bass reciprocal. And you ha- that's just on one instrument. So if you have 100 stick players in a room, which I don't know has ever happened, but you'd have no less than, you know. That's a goal. <laughs> 2021 next free hands right? like, academy there oof, we go we i think we had what did we, have? we had a lot you had a lot there no there was about 60 people there's so but that included like diana you know uh she she did yoga and stuff with us and and, and there were but you know we also had like steve adelson and tony levin and greg how i mean that was that was a phenomenal uh um weekend, but, um, never a hundred. Although I, th- I do think there was one up in, in, a in San Jose that, that Bob had done. And it was really in, originally intended to be with, uh, Guillermo Cetus. Um, and so that's, that maybe that will happen. And, and, and I know that mm-hmm. people in, in, in Europe are talking about getting together again. I, I just can't wait for it to happen, but I digress. So tunings go out to the tunings page, stick.com slash instruments slash tunings, and you will see a whole, a wide selection to choose from. Best thing to do is don't overanalyze it. Listen to what Claire said, pick one, right? And just roll with it. And if you want, you want pretty much, yeah, you want it, to re- it will be, it will be pretty easy after a, f- a few months, you'll start seeing and feeling if it's okay with you or if you need something else, it becomes very natural. The, the, if you want to try something like going lower so you prefer a baritone tuning or whatever that that becomes a, a really apparent after a couple of months so just yeah. do what yeah. she said pick one start playing the instrument and then and take then it from there if you want okay so then um do we want to talk some more maybe about some of the other properties that people might want to yeah, give some thought to on material the so the three primary constructs are so they break down I guess bamboo is not wood. <laughs> so right? it's a grass. Yeah, that's, it's that's grass. why I call it organic. Yeah. It's bamboo. So um, th- there's a, a number of different selections of wood. The, the two most recent. So I, I think at some point there was mahogany and walnut. There was some other, there was rosewood, which aren't quite as readily available. So you've got things like, uh, what are the new ones? Um, Chechen. Chechen, Chechen is one of the newer. Wangi is and, relatively new. No, I mean it's been around a while. It's been around a while. Machichi, um, Machichi, Machichi. <laughs> I don't think I've even heard of that. One. <laughs> it's, a great, it's a great name. Bless you. I'm making this stuff up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hardwoods. Here we go. Well, anyways, yeah, the hardwoods. So you've got these different. I mean, they all Machichi? feel Machichi. 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 <laughs> okay. I think is it's worth getting site? that one just, just to hear Gene talk about it. 
<laughs> I think I need to order one of those just to get Gene talking about it. Rosewood, Wangi, Tarara, Paduke, Chechen, the one I mentioned earlier, and Maple. <laughs> Formerly known as. That's right. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. bamboo, right? So, um, so is there a difference between the feel of a bamboo versus a wood instrument? So it's, it, I mean, it kind of feels like it. It's very smooth. Um, you don't really feel grain on it. I think it, it's more if, if I think it's just a very, it would be like a very smooth wood that has very little yeah. like detectable physical grain on it. You yeah. Know? That's my experience between my Tarara and my bamboo, uh, as well as it, you know, they, they do have a different feel. Yeah. It's subtle. I've got a very subtle. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a bamboo instrument and a maple instrument that I used to compare. Um, one thing to consider with woods in particular is bright and dark woods. So maple's very bright. Paduke is very dark. So when you're picking out your, um, whether you're going to have a linear inlay or, a, or a dot inlay, um, if you have a dark wood and you get a dark inlay or a dark dot, it doesn't really work in your favor. So this is why on a dark instrument, you probably want like, you know, a, a brighter color so that you have some contrast. Um, I had a Paduke instrument, a 12 string with black linear inlays and like, why bother? You know, like <laughs> doesn't really do anything. You really have to look at, and I remember Steve Adelson talking about that as well. So he uses bright and dark woods, but it's nice to have that contrast. And certainly with my hand against the Paduke is what feels most natural against the dark wood, because obviously I'm a white guy. And so I see my hands against the, the fretboard and it just, it's easier to see. So when I'm adjusting to the maple, I, I have a black linear inlay, but it was just a different experience and a different, and that comes back to that kind of feel, like what feels right. So um, the, the I'm kind of skipping ahead on the inlays. Um, well, that's fine. Yeah, I, I think the other, the only other thing to you know mention with rail boards is is that it's not actually all made of aluminum. It has an aluminum coating on the outside. It's it's very thin. Um, um, the coating and, is an aluminum. The coating anodized aluminum is that it's, it's anodized a, aluminum. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. or the the other thing that's not available anymore the, um, the plasma, the plasma yeah. coating. So it's aluminum with a, a very thin layer of something to harden the, the whole thing, so it won't get. Because aluminum is very fragile, right? So That's the true. strings will eat it, would eat it up in like no time. So yeah, those 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 plasma coating ones were were like these mirrored kind of gold or it's kind of the most beautiful instrument I have. It's a gold yeah. plasma railboard. That do you do you have one? Whole, yeah, I have a gold one. Wow. Isn't that that's Emmett's kind of stick yeah, too, yeah, right? yeah yeah I saw it when I when I was there. Uh, due to Gene's kind invitation, and and I saw I already was in love with the gold plasma instrument, but when I saw Amit's and Rachel Flower had one also for that yeah, evening, that's right. So it's that's like, right. wow, this is the most beautiful instrument ever. So this is not, has nothing to do with music. It's just the whole <laughs> visual thing of the instrument, you know. Number three, right? That was number three for you. <laughs> Whenever I see those instruments, I always think of that gold finger. <laughs> 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 and I was like, oh, I want my Ford stick, you know, like enough. So enough. do you not get like blinded by reflections on that thing? Cause I know sitting in the audience, like you, you definitely get some lights coming black back yeah. at your eyes. Uh, what Emmett did with, with that coating, it's not 
well, Emmett's, it's like a mirror. So you'd have that, yeah. that thing of the light bouncing off the instrument. Not with this ones, because they're, um, the back is, is like mirrored, the back of the instrument, but the front of it, uh, it's, uh, I don't know how to say this in English. So, but it doesn't it reflect like light. Yeah, it has a little bit of like it's oh, okay. It's oh, foggy. Okay. Uh, it's it's not the right word. I don't know how to. Uh, Vic, help it's me out. It's not just yeah, completely smooth. Is exactly. What you're so it's not like okay. a mirror thing. You won't yeah, see yeah. yourself reflected, and so it doesn't reflect okay. light in a beamy Quite wave. Way, yeah. you know, so. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. Okay. So we covered covered materials. Um, something we did start to touch on. Or did you have something to add there, Claire? I was just going to say the, the inlays, because you, you brought up the inlays a little yeah. bit. And I, and I will say my experience was, so my, my first stick, I got dot inlays. And I, and I do agree that you, you kind of need a contrast on the, on the inlays, but whichever ones you get. Um, I got dots for my first stick because I thought, I think that actually looks great, like aesthetically Agreed. on a stick. Agreed. Eventually I got linears and that is what I prefer because I, I find they're more functional, even though I think the look of the overall instrument is not as nice as a dot inlay. It's just as a player, it's just a lot easier to find your way with a linear. So I, you know, I know I said, we, we, this is all personal, but I think, you know, actually that's a little bit more practical, are a bit more yeah. functional. Yeah. yeah. Definitely worth hearing. You can see them better. And it, it's just from my experience, it's just faster to to uh, to position yourself in the instrument with linear inlays because they're so big and so obvious that it's just and and it defines the whole five uh, five fret apart the whole uh, geometry of the five fret uh, thing. It makes it a lot obvious, more obvious for me than than the the dot inlays. So also the inlays. Because of the way the instrument is angled when you're playing it, it may be that you can't see the dot inlay, but you can see the linear inlay because it peeks out yeah. at the very edge. So anyway, that's uh, you know, for those of us that need to look down from time to time to see the instrument. And Which I also I know I know we're getting into used instruments soon, but if you if you if you purchase an instrument that has dot inlays, like fretboard tape is is a good thing. I, yeah. I have it in all of mine, all my the the gold railboard and the. Twelve string grand. There were all instruments of opportunity, and um, I, I just glued some. You can buy it online for like five dollars. Uh, they will ship it to you. You know, sticker inlays and stuff like that. And that's what I did. They have dots, and then I just have this sticker inlay uh, that makes it linear. And I have so if, I don't know if you see any of my sticks. It's like it has the dot and a linear inlay glued to it. So it's not it's that easy. No, just it's just right? it, the, 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 the truth is I don't I do not see the dots if if I just mm -hmm. have if they're there I I kind of lose myself with the instrument I'm so used to linear inlays so yeah, yeah. It, it's like it's it, it, I remember moving after having played linear inlays and I got this graphite this ten string graphite and I was all over the place and I realized I'm like don't know what I'm doing it's because like, I'm looking down at my hand and this is like nothing preventing me. It just keeps going down. It keeps looking for the kind of the breaks. And it's just like, there are none, yeah. there are no breaks. And so you just, your hand keeps going down the fretboard. Um, let's talk about scale length. So um, what may not be known to all players is that uh, originally with the graphite instrument right around, I think it was like 2001. I think we researched this. Um, is that uh, two inches were added to the scale of the instrument to accommodate what's called the X fret. So there's there may or may not be some confusion about this, but instruments that predate this generally around 2001, 2002 um, are a 34-inch scale instrument. So 
um, as the 36-inch scale instrument was actually moved to all production instruments, the the instrument became a 36-inch scale instrument. It changed the kind of the feel or the tension just a tiny bit, but it did give you an extra fret down at the end of the instrument to make things more confusing. Um, and I do mean more confusing uh, because we're now we're getting into like physics, the physics of an instrument. The, the, the rail board is considered a 34-inch scale instrument. And there was some, some work that was done towards the end of the instrument so that the first fret is larger. So it's actually, I think it's, a, I'm not quite sure what the, the length of the fret is, but it's considerably larger so that, and Vic, you said it so well, why Emmett did this? Well, I don't want to speak for Emmett, but I have heard him say that, or I have read him to say, <laughs> that uh, having that first fret, which is called the X fret, um, having the X fret further from the nut makes the X fret a little more playable because you've got, you know, you've got more space in which to press that string down and to get a good tap on the string. So, and... Um, I think that's what you're referring to, is it not? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it says the scale. Makes it more playable. Yeah, two inches shorter than the present 36 inches on standard hardwood. But okay, so the the space from the nut to X fret is expanded by one and three quarter inches to provide lots more room for the left hand fingers and rear thumb at the first fret. So the idea was to get tone at that first fret because on a 36 inch scale instrument or a 34 inch scale, when you hit it at that lower um, at that lowest point, it, it's hard to get the, the fundamental, a, a good ring on that low note. So, yeah. So, all right. So what, what about tuners? Um, tuners. Is it, a, I think it's a preference, right? The open yeah, tuners the, look super cool. Like that is yeah. like, just like gunslinger, like they're open and they look bitching and you can see the gears, but yeah. they keep your instrument in tune, right? So it's gold, yeah. it's black, so, it's you know chrome. I actually went with black tuners on my most recent instrument for the practical reason that the chrome tuners, when I'm restringing the instrument, when I'm changing the strings, um, the string, I couldn't pick out the string against the chrome of the tuner when I was trying to insert the string into the hole. And it, you know, it was, wasn't a big deal, but that was, you know, something that, you know, in the crazy mind of Victor Bruin was important <laughs> enough for me to get black tuners because, you know, they're all going to look great. Um, but I went with black this time, and it actually seems to have helped. Actually, I did I did string my instrument for the first time a couple months ago, or back in wow December, more than a couple months ago, uh, and it did actually make it easier to thread that needle. So that's just a, a silly look into the mind. I had, of to, I had to go and see mine. I had no idea what kind of if they were open <laughs> or closed. I did not know that, so I just went to see mine. I know the colors. I didn't know the whole open closed thing because it's actually a thing of preference. I, it's visual things. Do yeah. open tuners collect dust and then lose their? I thought the same uh, thing. And like it, you're exposed, you know, maybe you get like crackers in there or something like that. You never know, like dust or something like that. Just you can get gunk in there. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I I like the. I think the one thing to actually note about tuners, just as a a mi- minor operational thing, if you're new to stick, the tuners on the outside strings are kind of inverted. Um, but the trick is you're supposed to approach the string approaches them from the other side than most of the strings. And so it still turns in the same direction. So more yeah, listen to yeah. Claire points. Is that, like, is that, is is that like, even right? I actually, I, no, I, I want to make sure I'm actually saying that right. Yeah, Cause it's like, yeah. it, it's just the, the, the distance of the strings to the tuner 
Yeah. So just really quick, just so you know, I mean, you don't need to know for choosing what kind of stick to buy, but when you change the strings on your instrument, um, check them out. They are one. Yeah. <laughs> string number <laughs> string number one and string Take a picture. highest yeah. will wrap around the tuner in the opposite direction as all the rest of the strings on the instrument. Just know that. So that's a good point, Claire. So yeah, basically, I think that Rodrigo and Gene and I are just here to say, yeah, listen to what Claire just said. <laughs> <laughs> We've been doing that a lot, and uh, especially more today. Than, so, <laughs> okay. All right. So then... Um, we should uh, write a oh, book, next. you know, it says, Claire's Insights on Claire, the stick. It'll all be one sentence. <laughs> Pick one. <laughs> don't make a fuss. Pick one. Know, change it if you don't like it. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> okay, so then we got string gauge. Another like huge yeah. Open so this debate. one we like, can do really what's quick. What's the best on. string gauge? Right? <laughs> and yeah, the right, one that you we're like. Solve that right here. So just know <laughs> that um, I think the reason that we wanted to put this in there because you know whether it's light, medium, or heavy gauge, you're going to decide that, and you're probably going to change it. But um, you can mix your string gauges. It'll cost you a little bit more when you're buying the strings from Stick Enterprises and they're putting a set together for you. But you can mix them. So for instance, on my instrument, um, the bulk of my strings. And by the way, I got this idea from Josh Goldberg. Thank you very much, Josh. Um, the bulk of my strings on my instrument are medium gauge, but my lowest bass string, you know, the fattest string, I have light gauge. Uh, that's string number seven. And then string number eight is medium, like the rest of them. And string number nine is heavy. Uh, and the reason I did that was just to try and get the gauges to... to um, to be a little closer together when I'm trying to play bass lines. So I don't, if I go from string number eight to string number seven, the difference in tone is not quite so, is not quite so different, you know, open question as to how much it works. But, uh, but Josh Goldberg did some experiments on it and he reported his findings and what he thought and where he landed. And I don't think I'm doing it exactly like he does, but it, it's a, it's something you can do if you want, as you can mix your string gauges. And uh, so that's really, I think, all I wanted to say about that. Sure, sure. A couple of the things to note about string gauge is that older instruments will only use light gauge strings. So this is due in part to the fact of the absence of a truss um, and that you could... And there's no adjustable bridge. That's right. So that's, there's a, that's there's the a big lot thing. of tension. That's a lot of, there's a lot of tension. You don't have the 3D bridge. You don't have the truss. So older instruments right. are going to have light gauge strings, period, the end. I think that yeah. there are some constraints with altos and SG12s as well. So the, the instruments that have the higher registers, I think, are only in light gauge. I had, um, so on, on my SG12, I run two different gauges on each side. And that was when I, when I got my SG12, it came with light strings. Um, and I just, there was something about it that just didn't work for me. I think it was kind of a feel thing. It was, it was a bit of an intonation thing because it's the instrument itself works a bit differently just in terms of, you know. Did Emmett shake his fist together. at you? It's like, you're doing he, it wrong. Well, no, Emmett. Emmett kind of enlightened my perspective a bit because I did okay, check in with him. Right. I, originally, I had called about just getting medium strings on the whole instrument, and he suggested that you should keep light strings on the melody. And he suggested just go with mediums on the bass. And I tried that and I actually really like it. So it gave me kind of the feel that I prefer on the bass side and kept kind of what that instrument kind of wants on the melody side. So I, I, that actually worked out really well for me, I think. Gotcha. Okay. Awesome. So I, I suppose we can, <laughs> without like 
cracking open the, 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 the MIDI Kraken, if you will, without releasing the MIDI Kraken. And you can, you can, Claire, we'll have a whole episode where we just sit here with our hands, you know, our, our, on our, on our chins and listen to you talk about MIDI. But, uh, <laughs> some other things to consider is, is that if you buy an instrument, like find out when the instrument was made, if you can get the serial number of the instrument and call it into Chapman's, call it into Stick Enterprises and say, it's serial number, five, three, one, one, you know, like they can tell you, oh, it's this, it's this, it's this. So if you're, and th- now we're getting into buying a used stick. So this is kind of skipping ahead and kind of giving you a preview of what comes next. But there's a lot of things to consider on instruments made prior to 2002 or 2003. So you get into things like the bridge, you get into things like the quality of the tuners, you get into things like the dual flaps, which allow you a greater um, ability to intonate the instrument on your own. Whereas before you literally had a wood screw that you would turn left or right until you got the intonation that you wanted at the bridge and at the nut. Like now you've got a bridge that moves... Actually, you're turning that screw just to change the string height. Without the well, 3D the adjustable bridge, you cannot change the intonation, which is why you have to stay with light strings on those instruments. Because if you put heavy or medium on there, it's going to change the intonation. And without that 3D bridge, you are not able to change that intonation. So just know that, you know, in used instruments, if it doesn't have a 3D bridge, you know, okay, you know, it, for whatever it may be, it's, it's probably going to have to stay with whatever string gauge it originally shipped with. And, and a lot of that stuff, I mean, if you listen to the old Crimson stuff like I did, you know, I mean, like it didn't seem to affect his playing and no. it's a great gateway <laughs> into the instrument. And, and you, you get to, you get to kind of find out on your own how to take care of your instrument, which I think is a big part of owning a Chapman stick. You are a ring bearer. You are on your own. Like, and that's a good, like embrace that. Don't fight it. And there's, <laughs> there'll be like, a thousand people on the internet that want to share their experience with you, like getting like, it's a crazy fire hose. That's like on full blast. That's like getting stick players to talk, like stop talking about the Chapman stick is like, good luck with that. So, um, to, to, to summarize, uh, flaps, bridges, rails, all these terms, like look them up. And I think that we talked about this kind of in our pre in our meeting but that we had before this. And that is, is that there's a page out there on uh, stick.com called, I think it's called innovation. So if you look at that drop down, you'll see all the various different kind of the, the ways that it has evolved. But if also, if you look underneath history, you'll see, um, well, you still won't see what you're looking for, but there is a page no, out you do. there. Okay, um, if you go to stick.com and, patents. and you go to uh, under About Us and you click on History, history. in the top timeline. right corner, you'll see the timeline of stick advancements. That's what there I think go. you're talking about, Gene. Exactly. So this it's is, under History yeah. and it's the top right timeline of stick advancements. This is the Rosetta Stone of like how to like interpret what everyone is talking about, right? So this will give you a, a bird's eye view of, of, of everything and uh, as it's evolved. So I think with that, with and <laughs> the, the last bit I should say, and really Claire will have to have a, an episode dedicated just to MIDI, but you can also get a MIDI pickup. And that's as much as I'm going to say on that. as much as anyone's going to say, apparently like, <laughs> <laughs> did, did you want me to add to that? There, yeah. oh, Vic, you're, you're muted. 
And he's gonna stay muted. He, he <laughs> none of us want to talk about MIDI. It is the Kraken. It's releasing the. It's just like tune your instrument. Very, like it's like, a very specific thing to want. And if you have a reason to get it, get it. If you don't, don't. If it comes with it, and you're, you know, it, it does cost a little more. Just go slower. I, uh, I need to write this down. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, with a rail board, you can only do one side, one side um, yeah. and that has to do with the amount of space. So what happens with a MIDI pickup, and I, I want to say divided pickup, um, is on a, on a wooden instrument right below where the block is, the pickup section is, they'll carve out an extra spot of wood to lay in the pickup, the extra, the, the divided pickup. And and they have room under there to put two if you need to. They'll just make that channel a little wider. Um, and I think on the rail board, there's only room for one. So you have to pick. So if you're one of those crazy people like me that wants your divided pickup across both sides, I don't think you can get a rail board at this time. But if the laws of physics change, then... <laughs> We we here on Tap and Time will be sure to bring you that update just as soon as it's in breaking news. That <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. So used sticks. Yeah. So where do you get one? Onward. Okay. So are we ready to talk about new sticks? I think we've covered we've covered like a new instrument like in in very explicit detail. Yeah. Yeah. So if I if I wanted to buy a stick and I wanted to check out the used market, where do I go, Gene? Sure. Reverb.com should be your first stop. And what I would recommend is, is when you go to Reverb.com is to check the sold listings. So check that sold listings box. And, um, and when you do that, you'll be able to see the history of all the instruments that have been recently sold. This is the best way to do your like kind of market analysis. In doing so, I have come across a 12 string maple for $2,200. The most beautiful 2015 Maple 12 string with a, a lap dog with a passive four 2200 with a soft shell case with the cable, you know, and, and like shipped. And, and it was just that like was being just the, wrong. It was, was being in the right wrong. place at the right time. And like, I, that's my instrument. Now. I'm trying to make that my main instrument. I also have, you know, like just by staying on reverb and, and looking every single week, um, I, t <laughs> I talked down a guy, <laughs> um, on a, on a 12 string maple with a hybrid pickup. And actually I showed it to Grace and she's like, oh, that's a hybrid. And, and here I was like chiseling this guy down from 24 to 2200. And, um, and, and then also I got Emmett to actually like sign something on it. So I don't play that instrument as much as I should. And it's not just because it has fret dots, but it primarily has fret dots, which is why I'm kind of like, <laughs> it's not as playable. It also has MIDI, right? It's this crazy, like, I mean, it's the, but, but it was just being in the right place at the right time. So I'm kind of rattling on now, but the, the idea is, and you can do the same thing on eBay. The thing to know about eBay and reverb is that there's more incentive for the seller on reverb, right? So the seller gets a bigger cut on reverb. That's my understanding of it. So if you're selling it on eBay and you're, you're like, you're like, it's not, there's not as much of an incentive to sell it on eBay. So you may, for the more experienced players that are in the buying and selling market, reverb.com is a hot marketplace right now. I have so no idea about that whole percentage cut difference. Wow. 
Me neither. Does, does Reverb.com sells? Uh, it's like eBay, can I buy it in Europe? Something from Reverb? Um, it's a good question. So we could go look right now. I mean, I, I do a lot of buying and selling on Reverb. So if I go to Reverb right now, and we'll take a kind of a quick little trip down uh, the rabbit hole, if you will. Like I'm seeing... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I'm seeing a 70s 10 string, you know, air quotes, vintage. Uh, it says guitar made. In, oh, it, okay. So this is how you know that people don't know what they're talking about. They're saying it, the guitar was made in USA. Okay. A, this is not a guitar. Stick? Like B, of course they're made in America. Like that's where they all kind of are made. So you've got a You've got a, an old Chapman stick in like an old case that's rotting and somebody wants $2,650 for it, local pickup only. Good luck with that. Um, the other instrument, you, you know, you see out there a lot of times, you're going to see these 34-inch scale instruments and something to look for is look where that dot or that linear inlay is. And if it's right next to that first fret, you know that it's an older 34-inch scale instrument. So if I go out to, to Reverb.com now and I'm looking under sold listings, I'm seeing um, 10 string with a passive four, 2,500 bucks. I'm seeing like a maple with a stick up, 34 inch scale, 2,300 bucks. These are listed um, prices or sell or, or sales These are prices. sold. These are sold. Somebody bought a no, polycarb I mean, did someone for 2,400 bucks. Was that the listed price or is that what it was actually purchased for? That was the purchase price, right? 2017 yellow Terrara uh, SB stick base, 2,200 bucks. Um, a cherry wood 10 string. I, I don't even know what cherry wood is. I didn't even know they made them like that. And then you, you've got also NS sticks out there. You know, uh, people are selling NS sticks, 2,300, 2,000. So check the sold listings. Start on reverb.com because there's enough like, uh, you know, buying and selling going on that you can figure out, um, you can get a better idea of what you want and, and really um, what your budget is. Because I think if you're buying a used instrument, you A, don't want to wait and B, you're not made of money, you know? So with a, with a used instrument, that's something to consider. I'm seeing a lot of instruments here that are less than $2,000, but a lot of them are going to be 34 inch scale instruments. I will add too, you can, um, Stick Enterprises has used instruments occasionally. Um, certainly you'll find more options probably on the used kind of resellers, but um, it doesn't hurt to check or call Stick Enterprises. Um, I think one of the advantages there is it's at Stick Enterprises and they'll generally, it'll have a a fresh setup and it'll be, it'll be set up correctly when you get it. Yeah, more kind of clairvoyant clear observations and that is, is that a good setup on an instrument, like you have to ship it in and put new strings on it and have them set it up. That's going to be $300. So if you can get an instrument from stick enterprises and it's up to $300 more, get it. Like it's worth it because then you can get the instrument, have the, the instrument, the way it was intended to be played, take a picture of your bridge, like the configuration of your bridge before you start monkeying with it. And, uh, you know, make a note of the way that the inner strings are strung and the outer strings are kind of wrapped around, uh, right? So you, you, you know which way to, how to string your instrument. Um, so so looking, uh, looking at our list of, of, of used instruments, um, eBay, Reverb, 
Um, and, and obviously, stick.com are, are, are great places to start. You could also look on the forums. So every now and then, and, and on Facebook as well, you know, people, um, you know, someone's like, hey, I'm selling a stick in Australia. And like, there's your opportunity, right? I remember seeing this, somebody had one of these white, these kind of rare kind of white Chapman sticks, but it was in Australia. And I was like, that's not for me because it's going to be $600 just to get it out to the United States. I think, Gene, you, you bring up a good point. I think um, if you're looking for a polycarb or graphite, you're only going to get that as a used stick at this point. So there were some, or there's some materials that they've, they're kind of no longer, even some of the wooden, um, some of the woods, I guess, that they're no longer making. If for some reason you have your heart set on that material, you're going to be going to the used market. That's right. So if you have to have a mahogany stick or if you have to have a walnut stick, um, I know they still make rosewoods, but you can't have rosewood shipped to certain parts of the world, as I recall. And I think we talked to um, Rob Gellner about yeah, that. Yeah, I was thinking about it. was Rob that won rosewood, but they couldn't ship it there, right? So in Canada. But I, I was I was checking out Reverb. So for, for if, I, if I say it's shipping into the continental US, it's it's okay. But once I put anything in, in Europe, it just it's not available. It doesn't have any stick available. So it, they won't ship here. Uh on eBay, it's probably easier if you're in Europe. And there's another site that's where I found mine, which is an Italian site. It's called Mercatino Musicale. And uh, that one is in Europe also. So if you're here, you probably want to search f for sticks already here so you don't have to pay for, uh, for customs and extra high shipping costs and stuff like that. And um, so it kind of depends on where you are. Ron, what was that site called again? So, uh, Mercatino, okay, it's called, it, it means uh, musical market in Italian. So it's Mercatino Musicale. I just wanted to hear you say it. Don't get me started on, on, on the most beautiful language in the world because just a very, very, very quick story. I once was in uh, with, um, we were playing in Belgium, but the driver of the car was Italian and so it was his wife. And uh, we were, as we were driving off out of the gig, the wife suddenly asks him, where, where, where do you want to park the car? And in, in Italian, this sounds like, Dove parcheggiamo la macchina? And we were all like flabbergasted in, in the back of the, the car. I was like, what? Did she, she just said, it's beautiful. Just what is it? love. Completely. Yeah. And she, what did you just, just tell your husband? Uh, your husband? And she said, well, I asked him where we were going to park the car. And it's like, that's the language of poets, you know? It's, it's, it's Italian. Anyways, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, well... People love Portuguese language as well. It's this, it, I, I think that there's a, it's, it's understood. And, and like, again, this is just kind of my perspective that people who speak Spanish are, are really confused by Portuguese. It's so challenging. You've got these characters every which way and there's elements of, right? There's elements of Spanish and even like Italian or the, there's all these different languages rolled up into one and, and it's not the same. Um, and when I hear Annie speak it, you know, I'm like, it, it, it really does. It, it kind of teases you. It's like, oh, there's a little bit of it, but it's, it's uniquely Portuguese. And I love to hear her speak it. Beautiful language. Okay. So I think, um, you know, you said something about this earlier, Gene. Let me just reiterate again, you know, beware of that word vintage. Um, <laughs> uh, because, uh, you know, uh, someone that doesn't know anything about the instrument, they'll, again, they'll, they'll 
sell an instrument from the 70s or 80s that's got a three-digit serial number on it, and they'll call it a vintage stick, like it's some kind of, you know, 57 Chevy that's valuable just because it's old. And there's nothing wrong with with those sticks, but, you know, yeah, don't be paying 2600 bucks for a stick that was made in 1978, you know, unless it's got a wooden pickup housing. You know, those are good instruments to have and good instruments to maybe start out with too. But, uh, you know, if it's older, the price should be going down. Down, beware the vintage. Down. Beware the vintage stick. So, so yeah. I would pay. I would pay fifteen hundred dollars for a stick without flaps and without the dual flaps at the top, without the three D bridge. I, you know, I'd probably even pay like twelve hundred. I'd be yeah, like, I was going to say fifteen hundred. Yeah. That's pretty steep for 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 that. Yeah, yeah. I'd probably pay twelve hundred, and I'd want them to cover shipping, and I want a case, and I want the cable and the freehands book. So, because actually, this, a truss said, rod is also a good uh, a good a, point. A plus, if it doesn't yes, have a, a truss, truss rod, a shoot. Yeah, yeah. You want a truss rod? If it doesn't have a truss rod, seriously. That, that probably that won't be playable. off of what you want to pay yeah. because if you get an instrument without a truss rod, you're probably going to want to send it to Woodland Hills and have Emmett put a truss that's rod right. in it, and that's going to cost several hundred dollars. So you know, again, uh, old vintage instruments, you know, vintage in quotes. Uh, you know, I'm kind of taking Gene's place here because Gene's harped on this in the past, uh, uh, both on this podcast I mean, and personally. Unless you're a luthier, like if you're a luthier and you just love what, like if you're Brian Baguette, right, or you're, you're you know, er, you know, Eric. Uh, Eric Knapp. Eric, Eric Knapp. Knapp. Yeah. yeah. And you just, you know, wood and like, you're just into it. Go for it. Pay like 1200 bucks for a really old Chapman stick. And I'll tell you, Grace, Grace Chapman said, she's like, bring us your tired, your old and wounded <laughs> instruments. And we will love, and it's true. They'll come back and then there's this glow coming off of them when they come out of, yeah. you know, uh, from, from, from stick enterprises. I, I think the thing to clarify too, is that obviously there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with these older sticks. And if, if you have the money and that's exactly what you want, like you should go for it. Um, I think the point is that most of the more current, more, more recent sticks have some innovations. Like we said, look at that timeline, but they have, specific things that were developed that allow you to have a lot of flexibility with how you set up the instrument. And I, and I think our comment about, you can always change the tuning. It really only applies if you have that, that intonatable bridge. Um, so I think, and yeah. I, and I think we, when we were looking at the timeline, what did we say? If it's a, if, if it's a 36 inch scale, it's pretty much going to have, gonna have all of the much. more modern stuff. Yeah. Um, the truss rod, there's like a four way and a, and a, and a different one. You know, that yeah, that's, that's not a, as huge a deal, really. That's not like, but, the but certainly the, 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 the bridge is kind of a very key point of being able to switch your tunings. Um, so yeah. that's something to, to really consider when you're looking for a used stick. 2003 is the, the first hardwood laminate long scale 10 string stick X36 production. So you hear that term X36. So right around 2003, they're like, guess what? Everything's 36 in scale now because it just feels right. Yeah. So, all right. So where to now, folks? I think we've covered used sticks. And that is, is that you're, you're going to have, it's going to be less this romantic notion of about, I want a passive four and it's got to be wangy and it's got to be 10 or eight string, whatever the case may be. Used is really like what's available and what do I have the cash for. And it doesn't hurt to reach out to people online and stir up a debate. What's the best tuning? What's the best pickup? What's the best gauge? All those sorts of things. What's the best wood rail board, you know, rail board or, 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 or bamboo, you know, um, 
I suppose the, the, the last thing to consider is something that has nothing to do with the instrument at all. And that is, is what you're going to plug the darn thing into. Yeah. Which, which is probably yeah. our next episode. <laughs> well, actually, we did that on episode two. And, um, you know, maybe we want to try and do it again and do it better. I'll do my like quick wrap up on the there are some accessories you're going to need when you buy a stick. Um, you're going to need to amplify it in some way. Um, that doesn't have to be an amp. It could be some way to listen on headphones. Um, it is, it is, a, it is an instrument that needs amplification of some kind. I know some folks practice without it and I, I guess you can, I wouldn't personally recommend that cause you're probably going to play too hard or overplay and, and you could run into some physical issues. So you need some way to amplify it and listen to it, whether that's like an amp or a stereo or headphones of some kind, you need something. Um, you, you probably want, maybe some learning materials. There's a whole lot of stuff online, so you might not really need to purchase something, but you could look at YouTube videos. There's a whole ton of, of good info for free online if you if you want. Um, there are some options like a stick stand or a lap bar or things like that. I don't know that those are critical. I think once you have the instrument, you know, you'll, usually the instrument comes with the, the shoulder strap. Um, it should. And the belt buckle, yeah. It right. should, yeah. Um, yeah, I and then the, says, the belt buckle's built into it. So I think once you have that, you're ready to play um, once you have those things. so. And the, the, the TRS to dual TS cable. Um, yeah, if you're buying used, make sure you get the special cable. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> the melody that. side's broken. Whose idea was this, right? Like, how many times... <laughs> It's like, should we tell her? Should we tell them? You know, like, just, oh, just, just let them, just leave them. I wonder how many, I mean, that'd be an interesting question for Stick Enterprises. How many calls do you get of like one side of the pickup not working? Right? That's got to be a pretty There's common. a knock-knock joke in there somewhere. I'm pretty sure. That's got to be, that's got to be so, a common. So a, a last, a, one thing I wanted to add about learning materials. So if you look for materials that are out there, um, I think Greg and Steve have things that are published. Um, and, and perhaps, um, you know, other people do it. Maybe, maybe, um, Dave does, um, Dave Broski, which is classic. And I think, is it baritone melody, Claire? Is that the one that, that, that all the printed materials are for? Um, I don't, there, there's different options. I, I, I wouldn't be able to speak to which, which are out there. I think this, you can get book, the stick Greg's book, book in three different tunings at least. I think it has. Yeah. And there's classic. all these free hands, of course. Yeah. So there's classic. And then you've got baritone, match, baritone and melody, I think. I think baritone melody and match reciprocal. So those are going to be like seventy percent of your Chapman stick players, right there. I would say, like, the, so if printer materials are a preference, classic, matched reciprocal, and baritone melody are, are three very popular tunings. All right. Well, you know, I think we've just about. Um, I think we've exhausted each other. Out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. The listeners okay. and each other. There's like literally not like, like four quiet stick players. It's like, geez, it must be lunch. Must be. Yeah. So, you know, normally when we're recording these episodes, we'll stop at the end, stop the recording and we'll kind of plan out how we're going to close the episode out. We're not going to do that. I'm just going to go ahead and call it. And uh, so if you're still with us, if you've made it this far, thanks again for listening. And, you know, um, send us your questions. If you want to send us an email, 
uh, you know, tapintimepodcast at gmail.com, as Bethia says at the end of every episode. Um, and, uh, you know, if there's things that, that, that you want us to expand on, great. Send them to us and, and we'll see what we can do. It might be a good conversation points as well. So having said all that, thanks again for joining us. And we hope that the next day or so, you get a chance to pick up your instrument and play for a while. Goodbye. Should Goodbye. we redo the Bye. whole episode again? Or... <laughs> yes, I think we should. Just keep the first 20 seconds. <laughs> Bye-bye. Just, well, we can isolate what Claire said. And then... <laughs> We also want to say thanks and give a shout out to Giacomo Villani for that piece that we played in the transition between segments earlier in the episode. That's a little 7-8 piece that Giacomo did on an NS stick, and you can find more of his work on his YouTube channel. We don't care about your comments, but if you want to leave them anyways, you can contact us at tapintimepodcasts at gmail.com. 